you know, I really set out to write a character who wasn't sort of a stereotypical mass shooter. You know, mm -hmm. you don't typically see, you know, a, a scholar at an elite prep school on his way to Harvard committing a mass shooting. It it was important to me that he comes across as intelligent, as rational, that he's saying things, he has all the uh, statistics, the numbers. You know, I, I, I wanted the audience to, in the storytelling, to, to, to say to themselves, you know, wow, he's making some sense. Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. In this episode, an affluent teenage scholar attempts to avenge his brother's death in director Tamika Miller's thriller, Honor Student. The film tells the story of a Washington prep school student, outraged after having lost his twin brother in a mass shooting. Wanting to take the matter into his own hands, he attempts to teach America a lesson it will never forget. Honor Student is Miller's theatrical feature directorial debut. Her other credits include the movies for television, The Christmas Lottery, Back to the Good Life, and Sarang Song, and episodes of the television series Quantum Leap, The Equalizer, and Station 19. Following a screening of the film at the DGA Theater in Los Angeles, Miller spoke with director Paris Barkley about filming Honor Student. Listen on for their spoiler-filled conversation. answer the question yeah did it have anything to do with the 82 school shootings we've had so far this year well i wrote it before then i wrote the wow. script in 2017 um but yeah it was it was it was well then then my next question would yeah. be why did you end it the way that you did because i think that's mm. the biggest question a lot of us have watching the film mm. which is why didn't you give us a happy ending the one that we were begging for where really? kelly jenrett just takes over just in some over. sort of superhero type way. <laughs> I don't know if I'm that kind of storyteller. <laughs> you know, I I believe we're we're intelligent, thoughtful people. Mm -hmm. And I don't think in my storytelling, I don't need to, you know, hit people over the head with what sort of the expectation is in terms mm -hmm. of the ending. I I wanted us, I wanted the audience to use, you know, our their imagination you know, and, and not, um, I didn't want to wrap it up in a nice clean mm. bow. Did you know? ever consider that? Did you ever consider that maybe there's, because you had so many opportunities, you had the phone that she had mm -hmm. with Greg mm -hmm. reaching out, you yeah. had the phone that you cut to that mm -hmm. someone was calling or there was yeah. a message and she was reaching for it. Yeah. Did you ever think about? It was a fleeting thought. <laughs> it was a fleeting thought. I mean, the ending is interesting because my co-writer, Joe Reckman, he he leaned into wanting to show carnage, more mm. carnage, you know, and and I said, no, that's that's not necessary. You know, we're living mm. in this carnage, if you will. You know, we see it all, all the time. And so it was important to me that uh yeah, that that Mrs. Hill didn't win in the end, mm. and that we can use our imagination again as to what happens next. But Mrs. Hill was right. 
<laughs> I, and I also think that Jeremy was right. Mm. And how was he right? To get, explain I that think, to me. you know, I Did really... He, was, was he right in the part about if he killed the sons and daughters mm. of these congressmen, it would actually change the laws, which seemed to be his thesis? Well, I, I personally think, and this is just Tamika, not, you, know, you are the filmmaker. I am a filmmaker. I personally think that it wouldn't make a difference. It will. Not, it would not make a difference. Oh, unfortunately, really? yeah. I, I. I feel that. I think enough time has has passed, and enough mass shootings have happened, and there hasn't been the the kind of urgency uh, to enact effective legislation to curtail gun violence. And so, I sadly don't think that if the loved ones, the children of policymakers, were affected that it would have the effect that Jeremy wants. I think mm -hmm. it would have the opposite effect. I think we probably have guns in schools, unfortunately. Right, which um, he mentions at one point. Yeah, right. but I but I think Jeremy, you know, I really set out to write a character who wasn't sort of a stereotypical mass shooter, you know? Mm -hmm. You don't typically see, you know, a, a scholar at an elite prep school on his way to Harvard committing a mass shooting. And so it, it was important to me that he comes across as intelligent, as rational, that he's saying things. He has all the uh, statistics, the numbers. He's saying things like, you know, he, he makes sense. You know, I, I, I wanted the audience to, to in the storytelling, to, to, to say to themselves, you know, wow, what he's doing is, um, may seem crazy, but... He's making some sense, you right. know. So I think I also set out to. I think Jeremy is a, a is a bit of an antihero, actually. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to talk about your process because watching yeah. it and having done three years of in treatment where there's two people in a room, I, I okay. felt your pain, uh, <laughs> but I also felt your originality oh, with that and how many different you. ways you could find to yeah. compose shots mm -hmm. and to create scenes. Mm -hmm. But first, did you rehearse just? the play, as it were, with the actors before you ever got there? I assume you must have. Yes, I had, I probably rehearsed with, with uh, uh, Kelly and Hudson about three days, a couple, three days. Just three days? Yeah, yeah, wow. not a lot of rehearsal time. But I will say this, you know, I am, I am all about preparation. And, um, you know, I knew that with a script like this, I couldn't have your sort of standard coverage. Mm -hmm. And so for one week, for about seven days, my cinematographer and I met for about two two hours, two and a half hours. This is Joshua. He, it's Joshua Pisanos, yeah. yes, who's based in in uh, the Bay Area, so that's why he couldn't be here today. Um, and we sat down over Zoom and we mapped out the entire script, scene by scene. So every angle, every I knew exactly. I had already done the editing, really, you know, prior. Yeah. To, to filming, so it was critical, it was essential that I kept you, the audience, engaged. And I knew with two people sitting across from each other at a desk, um, my visual style, my visual language as a storyteller in this instance needed to be camera angles, camera movement, um, music. Mm -hmm. which you did masterfully, but I'm going to come back to okay. that later. Okay. So now, when you're thinking of the compositions, were you shooting them simultaneously, or did you shoot Mrs. H's side and then Jeremy's side? How did you do it? Because they work so seamlessly. It feels like it's just happening. Uh, simultaneously as much as I could. Mm. 
uh, absolutely, because it's a very intense and very emotional um, film and, and very dialogue heavy. So mm-hmm. I was really trying to maximize um, the, the time I had with the actors and the ask I was asking of them to give uh, day in and day out. So yes, I had two cameras working Simon. Wow. And, yeah. and just three days, I'm pretty amazed by that. Yeah. And the other thing that I, I thought of how you've edited it, and I guess this came from your preparation, mm-hmm. it's very musical. Ooh. I mean, you found a real ebb and flow and then yeah. a growing intention, and then you had a couple of action scenes yeah. and then you pulled back. I mean, you made a real musical arc of this. Are you a musician or is this just the way you roll? It's the way I roll, Paris. Wow. I, but I love music. Like, I love the post-process. I really enjoy the offline process and the music and, and putting a soundtrack together. I mean, I, I love that. Don't, don't you? I do. I, I, I do like <laughs> some music. Um, and then did you always know you'd use the Nimrod variations at the beginning and at the end? Because uh, and, and I assume you're aware of the story of that piece and how it might echo your piece. I, yes, I was very aware. I love that piece. I love that piece. It's a, it's, um, it is the composition that you, that bookends the film um, by an English composer. Edward Elgar. Edward Elgar. And, you know, it's funny, I first heard that piece actually uh, in Elizabeth. Mm. There's a poignant scene that happens in the movie Elizabeth from many years ago. And I just, I was like, what is this piece? And so when I set out to make Honor Student, uh, it was gonna be in the film. And what I did was I had my composer, Claude Fossey, um, the, actually the track on the end is different from the one on the, the, no. the arrangement is different in the end than it is in the beginning. Um, in the end was something we did, I bought an, a violinist, um, and so it's the same composition, but there is, a slight different arrangement than it actually. Wow. Because the story of those, for those of you who didn't take music theory as I did in college, um, was Edward Elgar wrote these variations mm-hmm. on a theme, and the Enigma variation, which is the ninth one, is the one that is generally most prized and mm-hmm. used a lot at funerals. But each one was for a friend of his, for mm-hmm. someone that he loved. Mm-hmm. And it was a composition that he varied according to what he felt was their personality. Mm-hmm. So it was like, it was a, it was a general thing, but also it was very specific, specific. to someone that he cared for, um, which is interesting because I always thought, in in your sense, it was for his brother. It was for Jeremy's brother. That was his music. Absolutely, absolutely. And even the music, you know, I I have Swan Lake playing when Jeremy, in in the father's car, Mm. when Jeremy's being dropped off at school. And And why Swan Lake? Well, someone dies in it, (laughs) right? I mean, Mm. you know, so they're very intentional. What about the rap song? That's the first thing that you hear Jeremy um, you, well, that wasn't the, the, the original song I wanted to use. There was, a, there was a, another song I wanted to use, but I, I couldn't afford to license it, quite frankly. So I settled on, uh, not settled, but this was just you know, a rap track. I, I, I can't say that it was, you know. It was the right, perfect one. Yeah, it, was, it just worked. Hmm. It worked. I love that. And then how did you cast them? How did you okay. choose Kelly and, 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 and Hudson? Hudson. Uh, Kelly, I'd worked with previously on a TV movie and in a very different role. It was an ensemble cast. Kelly was in a comedic role. Hmm. Kelly's actually a brilliant comedic actress, if you can believe that. Um, and I've, I think gives a master class, obviously, here as a dramatic actress. 
And I just made a mental note. I said, this is, I saw her range. I said, this is someone I want to work with again. Mm -hmm. So a few years later, uh, with Honor Student, I, I called her up. I said, okay, look, you're, you know, we're going to do the Hollywood thing. Your agent's going to get a call from, from my producers. But I want to send you the script and let me know what you think of it. I think you'd be perfect in this, this role. And I wish Kelly, Kelly was here at the top of the film. She couldn't, couldn't stay. Uh, she's in a play down the street. But um, I wish Kelly were here to tell the story of how she made the mistake of reading the script that day, that mm. night. And she says she, she couldn't sleep. She said, I mean, she had all kinds of emotions. She was afraid to take on this role. And um, we went and had breakfast. She was still a little afraid, and, uh, and I understood why. And uh, in the end, she said yes, and I'm so grateful for that. Um, Hudson, I had not worked with before. Hudson, uh, some people may know, grew up on television on the show Fresh Off the Boat. He was a child actor, mm. um, he's a young man now. And in real life, actually, when we shot the film, which was the summer, during COVID, summer of- Oh, this was shot during COVID. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it was the summer of 21, and Hudson was going off to Harvard in real life. And, and uh, he, auditioned, he auditioned for the role, and he was, he was okay. He was okay. But what I liked about him was that he is very unassuming. There's something about him that was very unassuming. So I had him come back for a callback. In mind, I'm casting over Zoom, right? Not even in person. Mm. And uh, you know, I gave, and I just worked with them, gave him adjustments, and and I felt I could get him there, you know. And so, seeing Hudson's transformation from the audition tape to this is remarkable, mm -hmm. and I'm so proud. And and in the rehearsal process, you know, Kelly Jenneret is an Emmy-nominated actress from The Handmaid's Tale. She's on All American Homecoming. Kelly is such a master at her craft. So Kelly comes in with all of her preparation notebooks, and Hudson came in, and he realized in order to really go toe-to-toe -to -to -toe with her, he had to really up his game. And it's like, you know, if anyone's ever played, anyone, any tennis player, you're a tennis player, right? No, no? God, okay. no. <laughs> I don't know why I thought you were a tennis player. No, no, you know, no, when you no. play someone who's, you know, a more experienced player than you, it elevates your game. Mm. And this is a, a perfect example of... But you must have helped him because the modulations of mm. his performance, you know, when he turns into, you know, I'm just a good pupil, you would never yeah. shoot me. Mm -hmm. I mean, he has so many different personalities almost yeah. in a way. Yeah. And yeah. that was you just sort of guiding him? And yes, yes, yes. Reining him in when I needed to. If I, if he, you know, there were moments where he might have felt he needed to be bigger. He needed to be more angry. I said, no. I said, it's, it's actually more effective if you're more rational, you know, or this, and, you know. So there, I, again, just going back to the intentionality, you know, and uh, he was definitely someone who was open and ready and, you know, wanting to do his best work. Did he have trouble killing his friend in that scene? I imagine that would be very difficult it for was, him, especially with the scene before it where she asked him out. And yeah, it was, it was, I think, challenging for the actors. Not think, it was. It, they, were, they, they really, 
it was a tough shoot in some ways, just given the subject matter. But I, I was just very mindful in creating a set that was supportive. I actually had a, a therapist on set with us, mm. and not just for the cast, but also for the crew, because the subject matter can be very triggering. So if anyone wanted to break away in a private room and just have a you know, conversation with the therapist, she was That's there. so amazing that you made that a priority in an independent mm. production is, yeah, is very you. thoughtful and caring of it. But Kelly also goes through a lot and has to maintain a level of intensity mm -hmm. that I imagine must have been exhausting. How many days were you in that classroom? We shot um, Honor Student in less than three weeks. Mm. Most of it in that classroom for three weeks. Absolutely. Absolutely. <sighs> and, and, and Kelly behind, sitting behind a desk. <laughs> if you can imagine. And did she ever find that impossible? Did she ever say, I can't go on? No, she's a <laughs> professional now. She she wanted to do her own stunts. She was she was down for, for So she for was scrambling there on the floor yeah. and doing all that. Yeah, that I mean we had you know stunt coordinator to work it through, but she, yeah, they did their own stunts. Then what did you think were the biggest obstacles for you in making this film? What were the most difficult challenges you had? Because you're the producer, you're the writer, co-writer, and the director. Yeah. What? I would say um, the one of the biggest obstacles is is asking for money. <laughs> I, you know, and I'm really grateful that you know uh, a few people, mostly women. Mm -hmm. said yes. Um, you know, Joanna Shaw, one of my co-producers, said yes. Uh, Danielle Peretz, who's here, my, my EPs, uh, Mandy, um, Olson Cogman, I see you back there, one of my EPs, all uh, invested in me and in the vision. Um, Sophia Solomon, also one of my producers, brought so much to the, to the party. So I'm really, really grateful. So that was, you know, I wouldn't even say it was an obstacle. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was uncomfortable at times. Yes. And uh, what about in the production? What, what almost stopped you but then didn't because you're you? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I come from a production background. Mm -hmm. So I, as a director, I think I'm very unique in that I have both sides of my brain working for me. I'm a director, writer, writer I'm a creative, but I'm also a producer. I uh, produce, mine produce commercials um, before I transitioned mm -hmm. into directing um, full time. And so I know my way around a set. I know what everyone's supposed to be doing. And, um, and I think that really lent to our success in being able to do this uh, for what we were able to do it for. Tell me about your happiest moment on the set. I mean, it's such a dark story. There must yeah. have been some time yeah. when you sat there and you said, I'm genuinely very happy right now. You know, I don't know if you feel this way, um, Paris, but I think my happiest moments are looking at the monitor and seeing my words come to life, seeing the performance and being heartbroken in the most wonderful way. You know, like to to see Kelly give performance after after performance, scene after scene. I mean, I'm just like, oh my god! And but that's that's that, fun. That's, for you. that's cool. So basically, she's a woman who loves heartbreak. Is what uh, she's well, saying. You know, <laughs> you definitely broke our hearts. Now, what what are we going to? What do you think we should take away? from this film. Mm. Do you want us to do anything? Should we just have watched it and go home? Or is there something that you would hope that the viewer would actually carry with them? 
well, I, I want you, especially if you're a DGA member or not, um, I want you to talk about this film. If you're on social media, tweet about it, IG about it. Um, we're on, you know, our, as at Honor Student Movie, which is our, our Instagram handle, same mm -hmm. for Facebook. Uh, and is it available somewhere for us to see? Not yet. So mm -hmm. we're in talks with distributors right now. Um, so it's likely you'll see it on a streamer in 2024. And we've had an amazing, amazing festival run um, this past year. And uh, this screening culminates a, an amazing run. We've, we've won seven awards um, over the course of the year for best feature, yeah. best actress, best director. Um, I could not be more proud of the journey of our film. And I want this film to also be a call to action. Mm. You know, we've become quite desensitized, you know, um, and numb also, I think, to, to gun violence. You know, and and I think we all can do our part in helping to curtail it. Mm. You know, and uh, I know there's so much going on in our world and in our lives, but I would say that honor students definitely a call to action. But it's, the more you talk about it, the more you tell people about it, um, I'd be grateful for that. Um, just yeah, get the word out. Get the word out. Yeah, as best you can. As best we can. Um, I don't have any other, do you guys have any questions? <laughs> yes, you, sir. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. There thank is you. that, we do crave that. It's, you know. You crave that, you crave the ending that, that sort of ties it up all neatly. Well, you know. It is a thing. It is a thing. And it you're not getting thing. it, okay? It's, That's it's, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I think we do but, enough of that, right? But, and you've kind of explained, you know, the rationale in this because yeah. it's a difficult subject and you, you leave it at that. Yeah, I don't think we needed to see it. Yes. Oh, okay. yes, Mary. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you, MK. I agree. Appreciate that. Uh, wait, this this woman first, and then this gentleman. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't know how many people would want to actually see the shooting. I think we were talking about whether or not there's a resolution where she stops him from shooting. Mm. Yeah. Go ahead, sir. Yes, please tell us the bird. <laughs> the bird. Um, oh, go ahead. <laughs> the. Thank you for that question. Um, I paid a lot for that bird. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for that. That's an expensive bird. <laughs> bird. I'm glad he got noticed. Um, uh, well, you, you know, look, obviously, Maya Angelou uh, starts us, if, if you will, on this, this, this journey. Her poem, um, I Know Why Cage Bird Sings. The bird is a metaphor for all of us, really. You know, I think we all feel like or can mm -hmm. feel like cage birds at times. And, you know, for me, seeing the bird exit that cage and being free, um, it, it had many meanings. It was Congress people being free to do the right thing because I don't think they're really that free, quite frankly. Um, for me as a, as a director, as a storyteller, being free to make the story, to tell the story I want to tell. For Jeremy, as a character, for him, in his mind, what he was doing was um, liberating. It was gonna liberate 
you know, more people, if you will. So for me, you know, the, the, the freeing of the bird is to just take a breath. You know, we all, you know, as much as we are caged in many ways and feel voiceless and helpless, um, we can sing, we can fly, you know? And so, um, yeah. And we didn't talk about the animation in the film. Why did you make that choice of alternating and going mm -hmm. into animated sequences mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and using that as a technique? Well, when the script, when we originally wrote the script, there was no animation in the script. All the animated scenes were written as live action flashbacks, you know. Um, and so as I sat with the script more, it's like, I don't really want to do a live action flashback. Um, mm -hmm. I think that it's more interesting to infuse animation for a couple of reasons. One, this is such an intense script. And I wanted to take you, the audience, out of the classroom for a minute. Just let you breathe, you know, it's kind of you know, a, a reprieve, mm -hmm. essentially, from the intensity of the live action. Um, and so I infused the animation for that reason. For that's one reason. Another reason was economics. You know, it was actually more economical for me to, to animate these sections versus going to two, three, four locations to shoot them. And so, because I had complete autonomy over the film, um, mm -hmm. I just felt like the animation also just gave us um, just a different visual medium for which the story could unfold. It was pretty fantastic, especially mm -hmm. the one of her cousin, the loss of her cousin, mm -hmm. and how he was shot. I thought that was mm -hmm. really, really compelling. Thank you. All right, so we have just a minute left. Okay. Um, any final last words from you? Well, thank you for coming. Thank mm -hmm. you for being here, well, Mr. Paris Well, uh, sorry I was late, but I can't <laughs> say it does. A film like this does need the support, and a lot of it, it yeah. comes from word of mouth. And so the more that we can talk it up on the threads, yes, <laughs> on the, the Instagram, on the Facebook, as my mother says, just to get the word out that this is an amazing film by amazing first-time, first-time director? First-time theatrical First time theatrical yes. feature so, director. So just to, to clear, so honor student uh, for your consideration for the DJ members in the house um, is uh, in the categories of theatrical film mm. um, and first time theatrical film. So this is my first feature that has had a theatrical release. And so, um, yeah. And then will it be available or will it be considered for this year's yes. DJ Awards? So it will be yes. in this year. So the way the the way it works is for the first time theatrical features, there's a, com a DJ committee that mm -hmm. chooses those five. Yes. I don't know yet if this will make the cut. So if you're on that committee or you know someone on that committee, <laughs> maybe you can put in a good word. That for committee me. is top secret. You I know, know, I'm sure Paris might know that. I do not know who's <laughs> on that committee. You know, but uh, but anyway, you can support it and vote for it as a member will will help. Yeah, but uh, people can be talking about it. And I absolutely. think that's part of it. Absolutely. And, and yeah. the trailer is fantastic. And so Thank just you. getting the trailer out there, which Thank really you. is very well put together and, Thank you. Thank and makes you. you really curious about the film is another way that we can we can yeah. share yeah. to Yeah, and you know, there's a website, honorstudentmovie.com. All the information you ever want to know about the film is up there, the awards we've won, the trailer. Um, you can also go on IMDb, you can rate it, you can write a review mm -hmm. about it. Those things actually matter. Let me tell you, especially for distributors. So, um, 
So please do. Yes, they like something that's buzzworthy. Well, yeah. thank you, Tamika. It's thank unbelievable. You, thank you. Thank Hugely you. successful and, and very impressive. Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. The Director's Cut is available wherever you listen to podcasts. And please share, subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you can help fellow film buffs find the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America.